Welcome in Thursday edition. How we doing? A lot of stuff to talk about today. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, brought to you here in this first hour by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. You need work done on your your furnace, heating and air, any need that you have to be addressed, uh, whether it's, you know, right now or you think man i need to get this thing tuned up last year home comfort systems the place to call 405-579-3113 parker thune how we doing what's on your mind today well steely it's a thursday just another thursday this week's gone fast it has kind of gone fast yeah i'm like except for tcu what do you mean except for tcu well i mean it's been a long week if you're a tcu fan i'm sure Okay. Well, it's also been a long week if you're an Oklahoma State fan. No doubt. Yeah, with this Derek Mason news that he's stepping away, uh, not going to be the Cowboys defensive coordinator anymore. Greg Swain is in shambles. Well, he's got 9 million global followers, you know how it is. So, uh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. All right. So, we got a lot of stuff going on today. Derek Mason is stepping down as the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, taking a sabbatical, it looks like, from football. Uh, you've got uh, Walter Rouse, as you talked about the other day. Nebraska was the favorite. Nebraska ends up with Walter Rouse, the offensive lineman from Stanford. The Sooners were in the hunt, but Nebraska apparently had a little more NIL money that they were willing to part with for Walter Rouse, and he is going to be a Cornhusker. Uh, we've got news today about Kevin Warren, no longer the commissioner of the Big Ten. He is taking the job as the president of the Chicago Bears. And other news involving administrators, Zach Selman looks like he is in line to be the new athletic director at Mississippi State. I tell you, what do you think about that? I think it'd be a great hire for Mississippi State, but I'd love to see him stay at the University of Oklahoma. Now, maybe he goes to Starkville, spends three or four years there. Josie eventually steps down, and Zach Selman steps in. I had always heard that Zach Selman would be the next AD at OU. But uh, Josie has been the finest AD, in my opinion, uh, in America for a while. He's done an unbelievable job at Oklahoma. I think he will uh, be with the OU Athletic Department, in my opinion, uh, you know, through the transition to the SEC, and then we'll see what happens from there. That's but always what it seemed like. Yeah. Josie has been unbelievable. I mean, he's just been tremendous. Um, if he's not the best AD in the country, he's certainly right there on the uh, Rushmore of ADs uh, in college athletics right now. He's done a fabulous job. So, yeah, but Zach Selman, man, he's got everything it takes. First of all, great family, great pedigree. And uh, from what I hear about Zach, and I've only met him one time, but uh, everybody loves the guy and says he's tremendous. So there you go. He Um, is tremendous. He was there to witness a battery get thrown at me in Lubbock. Not the incident of which I tweeted about, but I was standing there next to him on the sidelines, and there was a battery that flew over our heads onto the field. Imagine that. I was like, come on, on, Zach, back me up here. (laughs) The battery thing is not a hoax. I'm not making this up, Zach. Come on. All right, we do have guests for you today at 1235 on our Riverwind uh, Casino Hotline. We'll have T.J. Eckert. We will have Eric Bailey at 135 talking uh, college football, Sooner Sports coming up here in a little bit. Uh, OU basketball, the OU women won last night. Good win in Lubbock, 89-79. to uh, The Sooner women are 13-2 and in the year, 3-1 and in the league. Jenny Baranchek has been a home run Higher. A very quiet home run higher. 25 and 9 last year. Uh, They are 13 and 2, so they are, by my bad math, she's 38 and 11 overall as the head coach at OU. Hold up, hold up. Carry the one. Yep, that tracks. 
38 and 11. 38 and 11 is pretty impressive. That was a big time hire. And I know that Porter Moser, you know, they didn't make the tournament last year. They're one and three in the league. Uh, I still think they're a good basketball team. They're far from great, but I think they're good. I think they're well coached. I think they play hard, but they are in the toughest league in America. And you've got to go out and win these uh, close games. They did in Lubbock. Tech was down a couple players. Couldn't finish the job at Kansas last night. They've got to beat West Virginia at home. That's a game. That is as close to a gimme putt as you're going to get. West Virginia, 0-4 in the league. Uh, so the Sooners have to protect the home floor Saturday morning at 11 a.m. ESPN2. The women will play number 23 Kansas Saturday at 2 o'clock. So they've got this great ticket deal, four tickets uh, for 40 bucks, And you can see the men's game at 11 a.m. leading right into the uh, women's matchup at 2 o'clock. Uh, between Oklahoma and Kansas, and again, the OU men taking on the Mountaineers of West Virginia. All right, uh, any other portal news you need to impart to us? We talked about Walter Rouse uh, officially for Nebraska. Anything on Jaron Bradley, uh, any of the other wide receivers? Uh, this uh, Vic Kearney, the offensive lineman that you and Brandon have talked about from Washington, what's going on? Yeah, well, the expectation is that Vic Kearney is going to visit this weekend, and with regard to the Jaron Bradley situation, uh, there's not a whole lot new. Look, here's what it boils down to. He may enter the portal. He may not enter the portal. If he does enter the portal, it's pretty clear as to where he's going. So don't necessarily have the expectation that he's going to enter the portal. But if he does, it's a safe bet he's going to be in Oklahoma sooner. And then if Bradley doesn't end up entering the portal and you need to look for a backup plan, uh, a recourse at the wide receiver position, I would figure Oklahoma's going to be heavily in the mix for Bryson Green. There you go. And uh, Bryson Green, a lot of people were thinking that, you know, he was maybe headed to Old Miss. The Sooners already lost uh, one target to Old Miss that they thought they were going to get, and I think Old Miss uh, came up with some NIL money there. But Bryson Green, uh, again, the Oklahoma State uh, transfer still out there. And as Parker said, might be a fallback uh, for Oklahoma. It looks like a good player, though. But – Keep an eye again on Jaron Bradley, the wide receiver from Texas Tech, who had a great red shirt freshman year, had a big game against Oklahoma. And again, we talked about it yesterday, and as you just reiterated, if you see him enter the portal, then it's very likely, I would say, wouldn't you, like a 9 out of 10 or maybe more that he ends up at OU. Yes. Yes. If he enters the portal, he's probably coming with Emmett Jones. And you have one week left in the portal. Right? January, is it the 18th, 18th or the 19th? 18th, I think, yeah, something like that. So it's it would have to happen pretty quickly. So we will uh, see, uh, you know, what happens with, uh, again, some of these prospects that are still out there for Oklahoma. All right, uh, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439 on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. Uh, we would love to hear from you today. And, again, we'll get as many tweets in as we can today. So, uh, you know, a lot of stuff happening. We're waking, uh, waiting on wild card weekend in the National Football League. You're not going to have Tua from Miami. That's going to be uh, Skylar Thompson. Waiting to see what's going to happen with uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, we did learn today that if the Chiefs and the Bills are in the AFC Championship, the neutral site will be Atlanta for the Chiefs and the Bills. So there feels you like go. Atlanta's just kind of become the de facto neutral site for everything. It, it these does. Days. It's like, well, it? we need a neutral site. Ah, Georgia Dome. Yeah, exactly. Or Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I guess it is. Can they clear all the uh, – well, that was in L.A. I was thinking automatically. I think Georgia's going to be playing in Atlanta, but that game was at SoFi. But um, 
you know, I, I'm kind of fired up for this wild card weekend. Uh, of the games, I think that, you know, Seattle at San Francisco, Brock Purdy, good chance he'll be playing for an NFC championship. Uh, you know, you've got uh, the Chargers at Jacksonville on Saturday. Then you have uh, Sunday, you have Miami at Buffalo, Giants at Minnesota, Ravens at Cincinnati in the uh, Sunday night football game. And then on Monday night, how about that? That's the game for me. Let's see if Dak Prescott has not been playing well. Tom Brady, I know they won a horrible division, but he is Tom Brady. So Dallas at Tampa Bay, Monday Night Football on ABC on Wild Card Weekend. It's going to be fun. Imagine being Skylar Thompson right now, Steely. You start the year as the Dolphins' third-string quarterback, and by the end of it, you're walking into a hostile road environment to start a playoff game against the team of destiny in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt. That has the potential to get real ugly. You're a Tampa Bay fan. I am. Right? Uh, But I'm sure you wouldn't be upset if the Buffalo Bills won the championship, right? I I certainly would not. I I certainly would not. Those fans have waited long enough. They have. And, you know, with everything that's happened here, it kind of feels like maybe they they might be that team of destiny this year. And I know we've got a ton of Chiefs fans uh, in our listening audience. But, yeah. I would like to see the Bills win it. I would definitely like to see the Bills win it. That would be pretty cool. All right, 405-651-3439. The Air Comfort Solutions text line is available. Uh, We've got a lot of Sooner football to talk about. Let's play this clip real quick. All right, this is from Braden Willis at the end of the season, and I want to set up what we want to talk about a little bit during this first hour. Uh, The Sooners finish 6-7. and Uh, That's not good enough for Oklahoma. Not even close. But Braden Willis, who everybody loves and respects, had a good career at Oklahoma, great year this year. I thought he played really well, great leader, all of that stuff. But Willis said the season was really about laying a foundation. Results were what we wanted, but, you know, at the end of the day, I felt like there were so many learning opportunities. I mean, just so many. And guys grew up, and we saw that in this game. And, you know, the foundation has been set. And I'm excited what, you know, Coach Venables is, is building here. And you can see, like, our, I mean, five of our games have four or five, four or five, have been touchdown or less, you know, in the loss column. So, I mean, you turn just the games that we lose by field goal, you, you know, swap play for or play that they made for a play that we make, you know, we're in a different position. But I'm so proud of, you know, the guys. I know that they're going to do big things. The guys are going to continue to grow up. And it's just going to go up from here. There you go. That's our Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a new Tri-City location serving the Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard area. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. That is our Ortho Central clip of the day. All right, so if this was the foundational season for the Sooners, and some people might say, you know what, okay, you were six and seven. Of course, you're going to say, well, it was a, it's a foundation for mediocrity right there. It was the foundation. Okay, you're stripping things down. Brent did talk about that. So, again, my question to you guys is what needs to be happening? What do they need to put on top of that foundation next season to make you feel like they're moving in the right direction? And maybe you do already. But what do you need to see out of this Sooner team to put on top of the foundation? If last season was a foundational season, what do you need to see again 
from the Sooners next season, to feel good about where they're headed. Because the SEC is coming, and you've seen what the SEC, uh, the SEC is all about. Now, Georgia is the gold standard now. Uh, and look, there are some games in the SEC that you're not going up against Godzilla or King Kong every week. But it's going to get tougher for Oklahoma. So that's my question to you guys. 405-651-3439 in the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's take an opening timeout. All right, good to have you along. It is a Thursday edition. Got a lot of stuff going on, so let's get to your text when we get back. We have T.J. Eckert at 1235. We have Eric Bailey at 135, and hopefully we'll have you from now until 2, or the rest of the day, actually. We need you here all day long, the Ref Army. Thank you. We'll be right back. Back with you, it is a Thursday edition of Steel Man and Thune, hour number one, brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. All right, so we kind of threw the question out there because of what Braden Willis said after the Cheez-It Bowl, that, you know, this was a foundational season, you know, laying the foundation and uh, establishing the culture, all of that stuff. I uh, want to know what you think the Sooners need to put on top. If that was a foundational season, what needs to happen in year two as they're building, hopefully, this uh, really nice new house with Brent Venables that is going to be uh, a beautiful mansion that can compete in the SEC. That's what they're hopeful of. All right, 405-651-3439. That is the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. Parker, do you want to head there? Let's do it. Terry from Dewey says, develop the players on campus, recruit like hell, and win the one-possession games. Go 9-3, and 10-2, and two, and keep stacking recruiting classes. I think that's a pretty good take. And you know what? They did recruit very well with this 2023 class. Another listener says, I need to see them go 8-4 and four minimum for it to be considered improvement. But if DG impl- improves greatly, that record could be even better. Yeah, and what's interesting is we we're going to wait until February to find out the schedule, right? We know that they they've got Arkansas State to start the season. They've got SMU coming to town after that, and then they go to Tulsa, uh, middle of September to play a game at Chapman Stadium against Kevin Wilson and the Golden Hurricane. And you know the Texas obviously is going to be on the schedule. Uh, but we're going to have to see what the rest of the schedule looks like. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there just in terms of what the schedule looks like. But you, you run the non-conference schedule, uh, and you, you should have three victories there, obviously. Uh, you know, Texas last year, I know it was ugly. It was an aberration because that was, that was an Oklahoma team that you know, was, was not prepared because the backup quarterback situation was a disaster. So we'll see. Yeah, and I, I I know there are people out there who are tired about or they're tired of hearing about how Dylan Gabriel wasn't that bad in 2022. I'm tired of hearing about how Dylan Gabriel wasn't that good. I really Dylan Gabriel played plenty well enough for Oklahoma to be a double digit win team. He shouldn't have had to be the one, at least as far as perception is concerned, to bail Oklahoma out of every close game. Because, for instance, 35 points against Baylor ought to win you a football game. 34 points against Kansas State ought to win you a football game. It's moments like that. I'm like, I really don't understand why Dylan Gabriel, outside of the simple fact that he is the quarterback, I don't understand why he individually seems to be held responsible for so many of those close losses that Oklahoma suffered. Because those were losses that fell on the shoulders of the entire team, not any singular individual. 
Uh, from the 918, did the Emmett Jones hire have an effect on the Mims' decision to leave? That's uh, Ronnie Crimson from Norman. No, Ronnie. Uh, that did not have anything to do with Mims' decision. Uh, as far as, uh, there's another text right here in a similar vein. Do we know for sure that Aguebu is leaving? Maybe he's just testing the waters. Uh, here's what I can tell you. David Aguebu is going to get paid. He will. And the amount of money that he could make elsewhere is far superior to the amount of money that Oklahoma will be willing to dole out for him via NIL opportunities in order to keep him around. I do think that David Aguebu was a, was a pretty good player. Uh, not a great player, but he seemed to be uh, liked and respected by his teammates. You said you, you saw what Danny Stutzman, uh, you know, tweeted out the other day. So that to me was very interesting, uh, and it didn't surprise me at all. But do you, how much do you think David Aguebu would have played next season with what Oklahoma Oklahoma has coming in, and with what Jaron Canick can provide in year two? Yeah, well, David Aguebu would have been a, rota- a rotational piece. Yeah, he would have played. Season. Yeah, he, he would he played, played but... certainly. And I think what concerns you about losing a guy like Aguebu is you saw how beaten down and worn out the Oklahoma linebackers were in 2022 with Aguebu and Stutzman and Deshaun White playing virtually every snap on a week-in, week-out basis. And beyond Kanick and Stutzman and Deshaun McCullough this time around, you got guys like Shane Witter and Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis. But still, depth at linebacker, especially in Venable's defense, is never a bad thing to have. And so losing Aguebu hurts if only because he was very well-respected in the locker room as a teammate and as a leader, and because it costs you depth at yeah. that position. And that was the position in 2022 where Oklahoma was most noticeably shallow. Yeah, and you've got to like what Oklahoma has coming in. If these guys live up to the hype when you look at that linebacker class, first of all, you get Jaron Canick last year, and then you get Lewis Carter, Sammy Omosigo. Am I leaving anybody out linebacker-wise? Phil Pachotti. Phil Pachotti, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. Phil Pachotti was at IMG. I think Lewis Carter and Sammy Omosigo are two guys that could play quite a bit next year if you need them to because both of those guys are more than physically ready for Power 5 football. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. Oh, we got a Doug text. Really? Well, Doug in Norman is on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Steely. Oh, gosh. Why is it that when a recruit chooses another school over OU, every time you state that the school offered more NIL money, every time and without any evidence whatsoever? I know it's heresy in your eyes. But is it possible that a recruit liked another school's campus or facilities more than OU? Or maybe that they liked the coaching staff or culture of another school more than Brent Venables and his alleged culture? Or maybe a recruit felt like they would get more playing time or exposure at another school. OU offers NIL money as well. But I find it hard to believe that every non-commit chooses another school because of NIL. Why you got to do this to me? Why? Are we, are we Why? serious right now, Doug? Well, here's the deal. Hey, the- we talked about it yesterday. You said that Nebraska had a big NIL package for Walter Rouse. Which is factual. Right? Which is, in Oklahoma, probably was ready to dole out some NIL dollars too. But and they were. You've got to look at each prospect on it. You know, is this kid worth this much? What happened with DJ Hicks? 
That's another one that we talked about. Correct. All right. And you're right, Doug. This does not come into play with every single prospect that doesn't choose Oklahoma. Tecilia uh, Kana, for instance, didn't go to Texas for a bag. He went there because his sister's there, his best friend's there, and Texas prioritized him late in the Did cycle. Did we say that he, he went? We didn't say he went there for a bag, right? We didn't say that no, Colton we didn't, Boss. No, that's just yeah. yeah no, like, that's what I'm saying. I think another one. Who was the uh, receiver that OU was really in on that? Um, just went to Old Miss. That was an NIL deal. Over yes, OU. that was Trey Harris. Trey Harris. And that that yeah. was money. Who else have we talked about that was NIL for you know DJ Hicks? We talked about uh, Trey Harris a little bit. We just talked about Walter Rouse. I'm trying to think if there was anybody else. Recently in the portal, oh gosh, refresh our memories on the text line. Yeah, gotta, or even in the recruiting class, I'm trying to think. Like Caden McDonald down the stretch or anybody else like that. Vosick, we kind of talked about, man, that's going to be tough for him because of the legacy he has there in Austin when he flipped. We didn't say that about Anthony Evans. When he went to Georgia, that was more of a Georgia's great, and he's got family ties there. So I think it was DJ Hicks, and I think it was Rouse, and I think it was uh, Trey Harris, unless I'm forgetting somebody. And it's, I mean, it's not 100% known, but it's pretty close that all of those three were NIL situations. Correct. So again, um, we, we just don't make stuff uh, yeah, okay. up here. And here's a text. From a listener in the 615. Is OU's NIL in a position where it can pony up and compete with the big boys for a handful of people, but not for everyone? Here's the deal. Here's the battle OU is fighting. OU has a lot of money to throw around in terms of NIL. OU can go toe-to-toe financially with most programs. Now, there are some programs like A&M Miami, Miami they are going to yeah. throw ridiculous money right. around. But in general... OU is going to be able to compete financially with the vast majority of schools that they're going to do recruiting battles with. But, for instance, take a look at the Walter Rouse situation. OU could more than feasibly have matched the offer that Nebraska made for Walter Rouse. They were not willing to Mm -hmm. because it was a sizable offer, and if I were to disclose the numbers, most, if not all, of the folks listening would conclude, yeah, that's a lot of money to pay for one singular offensive tackle. Yeah, you. I mean, you've got to prioritize that stuff. You've got to. You've got to do that. I'm sure you pick it. It's just like when you go look at a car, man. You really like it, but is it worth that much? Yeah, maybe. You know, we need to spend that money somewhere else. It's pretty simple. Uh, one listener on the text line says, "In the spirit of Derek Mason, can Doug also take a sabbatical for a year?" You know, I was having a good day, and we go second segment. <laughs> second segment. Oh, man. Uh, one more text before we hit a break here from the 918. Do you envision Oklahoma being the choice for Michael Hawkins Jr. on January 31st? Yes, I do right now, but again, I would not discount Arkansas. That's been an OU-Arkansas battle for quite some time and will continue to be down the stretch. It all comes down to opportunity and where Hawkins feels most comfortable. Now, you do feel really good about the fact that he grew up a Sooner fan, is a Sooner legacy always wanted that Oklahoma offer, was overjoyed when he got it. So OU has the inside track from that perspective. But also, as it pertains to that recruitment in particular, your biggest detriment might actually be Jackson Fling and Arnold. Yes, Jackson Arnold. I'm no longer putting the F in there. All right, It's just Jackson Arnold. 
There we go. Okay, we'll see how long that sticks. All right, let's take a break right here. We've got T.J. Eckert on the other side. We've got more of your texts coming up, 405-651-3439. Manny, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Air Comfort Solutions, you got to love this, man, because we're going to this text line is nonstop. Absolutely nonstop. All right, let's break. Come back with T.J. next here on The Ref. That's what we're doing today. T.J. Eckerts, KTUL-TV, sports director, all-around good guy, former quarterback, really good golfer. What's not to like? Really good golfer? Like, how good of a golfer are we talking I about? hear that it's uh, pretty impressive. Pretty, I'll tell you what, I, pretty impressive. So like I told you, I played golf yesterday for the first time since I broke my elbow last summer. How'd you do? It was a little rocky to start off. Uh, short game was... A shortcoming, but closed the round with four straight pars. There so, you go. Feeling pretty good about that. There you go. By the way, before we get to TJ, I got a text from Teddy Lehman. Yes. On the Doug and Norman conversation. Oh, no. And Teddy says, we do not want Doug to take a sabbatical. Dissenting opinions are necessary in the search for the truth. All right. So. Well, you know, I'm just saying there's there are a couple people that you don't want at your party. The guy who questions everything. Are you going to invite him to like your holiday party? No. Uh, or like the drunken hillbilly. You don't want him there either. That's all I'm saying. No, I know people are hammering Doug on the text line, but that's just Doug. Doug is Doug. I like I do like the one from the 404. Doug lives to pee in Steely's coffee. <laughs> It's a little uh, too much imagery there, but maybe. A lot of imagery, but not too far from the truth. All right, T.J. Ecker joining us. T.J., appreciate your time joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. You know, the Sooners and T.U. will play middle of September at Chapman Stadium next year. Kevin Wilson, uh, new head coach, and Steve Spurrier, Jr., who is part of Oklahoma's staff as an assistant coach the last time Oklahoma won a national championship in 2000, met the media uh, yesterday, I thought he had some good stuff. Tell us how that staff's coming together and uh, what what the feeling is like with this new coach, Kevin Wilson, and this new staff coming together. Yeah, I think it's all all been positive so far, Steely. And, and, you know, we've talked about, and we talk about this a lot when new coaches come in, like every new coach seems to win the press conference, right? That's just like a theme nowadays. They always have good things to say. But then it's about getting to work, and, and credit to Kevin Wilson, man. He was the offensive coordinator in a college football playoff game at Ohio State, all while trying to recruit and keep his his team in the locker room at TU and recruiting the transfer portal and trying to get stuff ready for early signing day. He's doing a lot of things, and he's done a great job. Uh, at least here in the community in Tulsa, uh, he's brought in five guys, either from the transfer portal or from early signing day, that played football in the Tulsa area. And, I mean, that's just been a huge a huge thing for Tulsa fans is bringing more kids from local schools in. He's done a good job of that already. Uh, so, yeah, yesterday was the first time we've gotten to talk to him since that introductory press conference, and he had some good stuff to say. Uh, it was cool listening to Steve Spurrier Jr. talk. He was basically Steve Spurrier without the visor and a few years younger. I mean, he, they look fairly identical and, and sound the same. So he had some good stuff to say. I loved his, his line that he doesn't really talk too much with his dad about uh, plays or play calling, but every once in a while his dad will drop a play on a napkin and send him a picture of it and and say, hey, take a look at this. You might want to try this out. So I thought that was, thought that was neat. Uh, and then my favorite, honestly, Steely, was Adam Guerreri. He's a young, 
He's a new defensive coordinator here at TU. He was an analyst at Ohio State under Jim Knowles, but was also at Duke with Knowles and called plays at Duke when Knowles left. Uh, he's a stud. I, I would imagine he won't be at Tulsa very long. Great energy. Um, I would, I, my guess is that he's going to have some success and then get another job. I, I think he's going to be really good. So um, they just hired Coach Fry, who has a, a lot of experience at the tight ends coach. He's been all over the all over the country. Um, so that that was a big hire. He's got he's made some. Uh, coach Wilson has made a lot of hires connected to Coach Wilson. If that makes sense, a lot of guys he's worked with in the past. So it's pretty fun staff. TJ, very simple question, but a very pertinent one this week. What is going on in Stillwater, America? <laughs> I, I think people are. What's the street there? Normally, people are wondering what's going on. Is it Washington? Is that the is that the bar mm. scene there in Stillwater? Yeah, normally that's where the question. What's going on in Stillwater? Is you know everybody's hanging out down there on Washington? No, I don't know. It's uh, you know, I don't know if the Derek Mason leaving thing is directly connected to everything else that's been going on but you know we can sure speculate and say that it is it's yeah, uh if it's, it's not it's sure bad timing though right <laughs> that's right exactly so it, it just feels so many people that i've been talking to have, have used the, the, the phrase dumpster fire and it sucks to say that phrase about a program especially in our state um that's just what it feels like right now everything that could go wrong has gone wrong so far and so just just not good. And I think we talked last week, Steve, we, we talked a little bit about just a disconnect maybe between the coaching staff and the players or the players and the coaching, whatever, vice versa. And it appears that's continuing. And, again, we can speculate that they're connected. He said he wanted to take a sabbatical, take a break from college football. But uh, I would imagine that a lot of the stuff that's happening behind the scenes would make someone want to take a break from college football. So, yeah, it's, it's been rough. It's been a rough offseason so far for OSU fans. What do you think of the uh, Sooners portal hall so far? We, you've got to see how it plays out, obviously, but based on what you've seen uh, in their areas of need, uh, how do you think Oklahoma's done yeah. in the portal? Seems like they've, they've done a great job. You're right. You've got to have to wait and see what they look like on the field, of course. But uh, filling some immediate needs on the defensive side of the ball, love, love what they've done with the defensive line. I, I, think, that's, I think that's a great start. That's something uh, you can never have too many good guys up front. So. I think that's been a that's been a nice a nice addition to see there, and it, it's interesting. Venables doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to build a roster or build a culture through the portal, but I think it's apparent that there was some immediate needs that needed to be addressed, and the, the best way to do that right now, unfortunately, is going into the portal and bringing in guys for a couple of years. So I, I think it's. Someone told me that the transfer portal has become the new junior college, basically, right? Guys go to JUCO, play for a couple of years in a college atmosphere, and then come and, and play uh, at, a, at a D1 school. That's kind of what the portal's turned into. Guys develop at maybe a, uh, an SCS school or non-Power 5 school, and they move up to the Power 5 ranks. That's, that's kind of what it's turned into. And so Venables is using that right now to kind of plug holes and, and maybe see some immediate results with the hopes that bringing in top 5, top 10 recruiting classes We'll just continue to help build that culture. So it's been impressive. I, I, it's nice to see that regardless of the record, the staff is still able to recruit at a high level. TJ, Marvin Mims is off to the NFL, and that's a big loss offensively for Oklahoma. He obviously racked up over 1,000 receiving yards in 2022 and was the Sooners' alpha at that position. So you bring back Jalil Farouk, you bring back Drake Stoops, 
those two you can reasonably pencil in as starters without a whole lot of doubt slash debate. But if you got to pinpoint a third wide receiver in this Oklahoma passing attack who takes the leap next year in terms of his role and in terms of his production, who is that guy in your eyes? Yeah, it's a, that's, a, that's a great question because, and actually, I, I think you were on vacation last week. Is that Am I right on that, Parker? You were, you were not here last week, I think. I was not um, here last week. Yes, yeah. So you weren't here last week. I actually said about five minutes before Marvin Mims announced that he was going to the draft that he was coming back. So uh, my knowledge of OU athletics is apparently lacking. So start, start there with that. But I think, uh, I, you know, it, it's a tough it's a tough question right there's not there's not a bunch of production that returns I'd love to see Gavin Freeman get get the ball more and get some more run um, I, I was impressed with the limited touches that he had last season or this past season I guess uh, he's explosive and I, I was impressed by that so it'd be, it'd be great to see that happen more um, I was impressed by the very limited amount of time we saw LV Bunkley Shelton touch the ball um, so those are a couple guys that I think you'd love to see touch the ball more I Honestly, you know, you mentioned one and two there with, with uh, Farouk and Stoops. I, I, I loved watching Farouk, and I am fired up to see him in an expanded role next season. He, he did so well um, kind of playing that, that maybe third fiddle, I guess, behind, behind Mims and behind Braden Willis. I'm fired up to see how uh, Jeff Levy continues to use him in that system. It's, uh, he's, he's kind of that utility guy, and he, he was fun to watch. So, But, yeah, I mean – just on the current roster, I think you look at, at LV Bunkley Shelton. Uh, I think that'd be a guy I'd be excited to see some more, get some more touches, and then you know bringing in guys from the portal or, or maybe some true freshmen stepping up. All right, TJ. Before we let you go, uh, you you saw the announcement about the Netflix doc coming out full swing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, are you ready? You've got <laughs> you've got a docu series where they follow uh, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Tony Finau, Joel Damon, and also uh, Brooks Kepka, DJ Joaquin Neiman, and Ian Poulter. I'm not really excited about seeing Ian Poulter and all his cars, but uh, that's going to be awesome. February 15th. I know you're a huge golf guy, so yeah, Netflix has a new golf doc coming out called Full Swing starting February 15th. TJ, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. We'll talk again real soon. Yep. See you, Parker. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. TJ Eckert, ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll head back to the text line, get as many in as we can, 405-651-3439. Right here on Steel Man and Thune. We're about to wrap up the noon hour. We still have another hour ahead, an hour plus. Keep it here on the home of Sooner fans, The Ref. Uh, That's got to be in my top five Stone songs of all time right there. I still probably would go give me shelter number one, but that one's definitely in the uh, in the top five. Can't you hear me knocking? Is up there as well. All right, uh, Riverwind Casino. You've got one more day. Get out and play. If you're a big Riverwind fan, and who isn't? Riverwind, simply the best. The showdown in the desert promotion uh, continues again. They will tally up all of the points. For this great promotion where five different patrons are going to win trips to the Super Bowl. All right. Out in Phoenix. 
If you've been playing with your wild card and you've been playing on the showdown in the deserts, uh, designated gaming machines, it's time to close. You got to close, right? Sooners didn't close in Lawrence the other night. You got to make the plays down the stretch to get this trip. So get out there, play with your wild card, all right? Get out there and uh, finish strong. And again, when they tally up all the points coming up at 5 o'clock tomorrow, uh, they will find the top five patrons, and you're going to go to the Super Bowl in Phoenix with airfare, hotel stay, ground transportation, tickets to the game, obviously, and $1,000 in cash. Another great promotion from our friends at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Okay, Parker, let's go back. Let's go back to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. By the way, big a uh, little bit of Big 12 news that just came across the wire. Felix Anyudike Uzoma officially declared for the NFL draft. So, the star Kansas State K-State, edge rusher yeah, is foregoing his senior year. Really good player. Uh, to the text line, is Bowling Green receiver off the table now? That is in reference, I am assuming, to Tyrone Broden, the six foot seven Bowling Green wideout that's in the transfer portal. Oh, you hosted him on a visit last week, and yes, it would appear for the moment that Tyrone Broden is off the table. Oh, listener in the 918 says, listening live from St. Augustine Beach, Florida. Boomer, my there family used go. to vacation down there. Very familiar with that area. Isn't that a kind of a historic area? It is, quite historic. Yeah. The, They're like pirates and cannon stuff out there and all kinds of forts and stuff. Is that what it is? That's right, yeah. Can tour the, uh, the Castillo de San Marcos. Hmm. Sounds like you could get a, a good brew there, probably. No, it's pretty much it's an old military fort. Oh, okay. And well. it's made entirely of this limestone that you can mm. only find in St. Augustine. Wow. So was that I'm trying to remember was that like one of the original settlements? It was. Yeah. It was the original settlement. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. See, I the old man still has a little bit of memory left, but I also associated it with beer. So sometimes that memory is somewhat correct and not really correct. Interesting. So. I will say, best slice of pizza I've ever had was in St. Augustine, Florida. So, hmm, interesting. All right, 405 651 3439. That's 405 651 3439. Does PT still think Ole Miss is the spot for Bryson Green? Feels like right now that's going to come down to Ole Miss or OU. Uh, and with Jaron Bradley still kind of. Not necessarily dragging his feet, but with no clear answer as to whether Jaron Bradley is going to end up entering the portal or not, uh, I would expect Oklahoma to heat up their pursuit of Bryson Green. That said, I know Ole Miss is due for a visit from him, and so it may be difficult to pry him away from Lane Kiffin when all is said and done. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, i got to sift through. People, people have lots of Doug and Norman opinions. Uh, I think Gabriel gets a lot of blame. This goes back to a conversation we were having shortly before TJ joined the show. I think Gabriel gets a lot of blame because the offense would get bogged down in games. QB gets all the glory and all the blame. I mean, he did miss some receivers, but every quarterback is going to miss some receivers. But he missed uh, too many, there's no doubt. But I still think he's a good, solid college quarterback maybe he can step up his level of play a little bit next season and take that offense to the next level in the second year but I think Dylan Gabriel is a good player but again the OU quarterback standard was raised so high that you know it's it's hard people just assume that yeah you're always going to have that guy right and And you don't always have that guy it's made people lose perspective Mm -hmm. it really has and it's not just Mayfield Murray Hurts, Caleb Williams, 
Uh, it's the last quarter century of quarterback play at the University of Oklahoma. Every other university in America, I promise you, would trade the quarterback play that they have had over that period of time for the quarterback play that Oklahoma has had. When you think about all the fantastic signal callers that have come through Norman, whether it be Josh Heupel or Jason White or Sam Bradford or Mayfield Murray Hurts, right? Oklahoma's had the best quarterback play of any FBS program over the last 20, 25 years. No doubt. No doubt about it. So, uh, But Dylan Gabriel, again, solid year, needs to be a little bit better, and I think there's a good chance that happens. Uh, you know, we're going to see what his re- receiving crew looks like. They're still in, uh, in, the pro- in progress of putting that group together, and uh, we'll see what happens. And I think not winning really dragged down the perception of Dylan Gabriel, right? Because Paul Thompson wasn't anywhere near on the same level as Jason White, Sam Bradford, any of the other guys I mentioned, right? As a passer, as the quarterback at the University of Oklahoma, he was not on that level. Mm -hmm. But they won. They did, yeah. They won with him as the starter. Yeah, the the team performed. They played a lot more, uh, you know, uh, all-around football, complimentary football, and Paul Thompson was a really, really good leader. There's no doubt about that, and a great dude. All right, want to thank Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, great Sooner, great company. You need heating and air work done, 405-579-3113. Also, thanks to our friends, as always, at Riverwind Casino. Get out and play in the showdown in the desert promotion. They will tally up the winners tomorrow at 5 o'clock. You want that trip to the Super Bowl? Get out there and close. We'll be right back with Hour 2. That is the curtain call right there. Actually, that's the curtain opening for hour number two. I like it. I like it a lot, Miss Tom Petty. We, ladies and gentlemen, are going to get a lot of texts in this hour. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. We'll have Eric Bailey on. The Riverwind Casino hotline at 135. We want to tell you again. About our hour two sponsor, the great Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, exit 72. Be thinking Paul's Valley 72. That's the exit. You're looking for a car? Maybe it's a truck, SUV, pre-owned vehicle, great selection, great service. And again, after the sale, the great guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. The Seth Wadley Auto Group, thank you for sponsoring hour number two. All right, uh, we've been talking a lot of Sooner football, portal stuff, and uh, names that are still out there. Walter Rouse, again, made the uh, decision uh, yesterday that Parker expected him to make, and a lot of people expected him to make. Parker had talked about this a couple days ago, that he was headed to Nebraska, and that was made official yesterday. So um, Vic Kearney is the offensive lineman from Washington, is a name that's still out there. Jaron Bradley, the wide receiver from Texas Tech, has not jumped into the portal. I don't know if he's, you know, got his boarding pass and he's at the gate right now waiting in line, which line he's in. Maybe he doesn't even have a ticket. But we have speculated, and Parker's got the insight, obviously, that if he does jump in the portal, he's going to be at Oklahoma and follow him at Jones to Norman. The question is, will he jump in the portal? 
Uh, Bryson Green, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State, is still out there. Apparently it's down to uh, Ole Miss and Oklahoma. Anybody else that is still out there? In terms of guys that should be of interest to Sooner fans yes, right that's, now. that's I, realistic. No, not really. Uh, I think Vic Kearney has kind of become the guy or the target as far as offensive linemen are concerned with the news that Walter Rouse is going to Nebraska. And then at receiver, it's Jaron Bradley if he gets in the portal. And if not, you push for Bryson Green. And if he come up empty on both of those guys, you know what? It's far from the end of the world because wide receivers are a dime a dozen in the transfer portal, and there's going to be a second wave. So you will have an opportunity to add another receiver for the sake of depth to that room yeah. if you want to. And that's what happened. That's when, uh, remember, Mike Woods went through spring ball at Arkansas and then came to Oklahoma. So, yes, there will be a second wave coming up after spring football, right, in that, that time frame. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We talked about what needs to happen in year two. Uh, Braden Willis, we played the sound bite where he talked about, you know, year one, yeah, it's not quite what we wanted. Uh, well, it's not anything near what they wanted record-wise, but they realized that they were building a foundation with Brent's culture, uh, new systems on both sides of the football, and uh, just a new way of, of going about things over at LU. But my question for this hour is, after what you've seen in the SEC and where Oklahoma is right now, and everybody felt, and I'm sure you know, there's still a significant amount of Sooner fans out there that still feel that Brent was the guy to take Oklahoma to the SEC. There probably aren't as many as there were based on what happened this year, but I still think uh, a lot of people feel that way. Would you rather be in the SEC in 24 or 25 right now? What do you think would be the better situation for Oklahoma starting play, you know, one more year in the Big 12 and then going in in 24? Or would you rather have two more years in the Big 12 and get there in 25? What do you guys think? 405-651-3439. What do you think, Parker? Well, here's what I think. I think given that the college football playoff field is set to expand come 2024, Mm -hmm. at that point – That's when it makes sense to make the move and be excited about the move because realistically, Steely, in the day and age of college football in which we live, you can afford to go 9-3 and in the SEC and you'll still make the college football playoff. Yeah, there might even be a year you go 8-4 and and make it in the SEC. Would, Would, because we know that this is about money. Now, we know it's also about competing and getting to the next level, and you're going to get more heavyweights and be better prepared for the playoff playing in the SEC. There's no doubt about it. But this was a decision made about money and the future of the uh, where the Oklahoma football program is headed, and the SEC was the best spot uh, for Oklahoma to be. But would this decision have been made if there wasn't any – you know, thought of the playoff expanding to 12. In other words, with Oklahoma, uh, by the way, if you guys, if you're voting, explain why, if you would. People are just putting 24, 25. But if you if you have time, explain why. You see what I'm saying, Parker? If they knew that, man, well, there, there was no talk about playoff expansion. If it was going to stay at four teams, would Oklahoma have gone to the SEC? I'm sure they would have, but again, I think the immediacy of said move would not have been heightened the way it seems to have been in the pretty immediate aftermath of 
uh, the announcement that that move was going to be made at some point. Because, look, once you expand the playoff to 12 teams, the reality, Steely, is that year in and year out, you're going to have at least four or five SEC programs in the college football playoff field. Because it is the premier conference in college football right now. And you're going to have auto bids for every single conference. You're going to have an auto bid for the group of five. I get that. But most years, the way that the schedule always shakes out, the way the rankings typically shake out by the end of the year, the vast majority of those at-large bids are going to go to SEC programs. And if you're Oklahoma and you're to the point in 2024, which I believe they will be and should be, where you can realistically win nine, ten games in on an SEC schedule, then, yeah, it makes sense to make that move. You don't have a whole heck of a lot to lose. And somebody on the text line said, I don't want to go into the SEC in 2024 with a first-year starting quarterback in Jackson Arnold. And to a certain extent, I understand that. Because you want to, to a certain extent, you want to know what you have at your disposal at the quarterback position when you're preparing to make the transition from the Big 12, which is less than a gauntlet, to the SEC, which is absolutely a gauntlet. But... I'm not of the opinion that Jackson Arnold's going to blink. And when you look at some of the guys that have had success in their first year as SEC starting quarterbacks, think back to Bryce Young, for instance, in 2021, who in his first year as the starter at Alabama won the Heisman Trophy and took the Crimson Tide to a national title game appearance. And I'm not saying Jackson Arnold is Bryce Young. I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman Trophy in his first year as a starter. I'm not saying he's going to lead Oklahoma to a national championship game. All I'm saying is, trust me, I've watched a lot of Jackson Arnold. I know what kind of competitor he is. I know what type of leader he is. And I would not have any doubts about his ability to lead Oklahoma through year one in the SEC if it's his first year as a starter. If if he was going in as a true freshman, you would be, you know, uh, that would be a little bit different. But a year under his belt, you know, watching Dylan Gabriel play, and, uh, yeah, I, I think he'd probably do all right. All right, uh, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, let's see what you guys have to say. 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Okay, uh this listener in the 972 asked an off-topic question. And to this listener, I would say, I'm actually very eager to have this conversation. So please send this text again at the top of the clue. No, uh, you can do the Rashada deal if you in. want to right now. No, no, no. And it's, well, it's, it's so off-topic. Like, I don't want it's, – okay. it's a great conversation, but it's off-topic enough that I don't want to delve too deeply into it. So 972 gotcha. listener, please send this text again. It says, Parker, why would Florida – throw a supposed 13 million dollars at Rashada that's ridiculous but what do I know uh that number's legit and again that's a bag that I want to unpack come the two o'clock hour with Tyler McComas on locked in so let's touch base uh in about 45 minutes to an hour on that note 580 Nate says has OU asked Doug and Norman what his thoughts are about when they should head to the SEC I don't know. I'm not sure if that's happened yet or not, 580. By the way, I like the uh, Bobby Boucher uh, comment earlier. You're right. Bobby Boucher didn't play for NIL. There's no doubt. He was just going after quarterbacks, man, playing foosball. Uh, Here's an interesting take from a listener in the 918. 2024, the TV money a year earlier could also help with a new basketball arena. Yeah, I, I mean, it would uh, probably jumpstart the financial uh, situation a little bit. Not that OU, you know, it's 
you, you hear a lot of people, well, oh, you're broke or whatever. I, I don't think they're broke. I, I'm not saying they're in their best financial situation ever right now as a university, but uh, they, they've still got a new facility coming up for football, right? That's going to be pretty special. Derek says, if we're not going to get a single holding call all year or, say, get a late unnecessary foul called against us, I say jump immediately. Hashtag Big 12 conspiracy. Ah, the Big 12. They're after Oklahoma and Texas. Here's the deal uh, for me, though, uh, like in the Kansas game, that's been happening for years and years and years and years and years. Sooner still, even though there was a, what I think Kansas shot, was it 16 more free throws than OU the other night? Sooner still should have closed that game. I know Allen Fieldhouse is the degree of difficulty closing there is, is quite high. It's about an 11 out of 10, but they still should have closed that one. From the 405, if we have a running game, Jackson Arnold will be just fine. Look back at Georgia the year they beat us in the Rose Bowl. Now, think about that. Jake Fromm? You make, you make the transition to the SEC in 2024. Javante Barnes is a junior. Gavin Sawchuk is a junior. Both those guys are really good, Steely. I don't think I'm overselling it when I say both those guys are really good running backs. Yeah, you know, Sooner fans loved what they saw out of Gavin Sawchuk, except for the fumble, of course. But other than that, he was he was really good. And we we had heard about his speed, his breakaway speed, but man, he ran tough too. I, I was really impressed with that, breaking some tackles and everything. He's going to be a good player. Ron from Lawton asks, why does the Big Twelve keep dragging their feet on releasing this year's football schedule? Is this any indication that the Big 12 is kicking OU and Texas to the curb? I don't, you know, who knows? There, there is talk about maybe one more year. Uh, that was thrown, that's been out there now for about a month now. And uh, that would be my guess right now if you ask me that the Sooners would play one more year and Texas, obviously, in the Big 12 and then uh, start up in 2024. But We'll have to wait and see. I mean, nobody knows. And everybody's awaiting the schedule release coming up uh, supposedly early February. Early February. So, what, three weeks-ish? Yeah. And now, again, that's been thrown out there that that's when they, they hope to have it out there. As I've said many a time, just give me a road trip to Provo. That is all I want. That is all I need. I don't care what the rest of the schedule looks like. I will sacrifice one or more of my favorite Big 12 road trips to Manhattan and to Waco if I get to go to Provo. That is all that I want out of this schedule release. So, um, Provo looks like it's a pretty cool place. I mean, there's some things there that, uh, you know. Have you, you've seen pictures of Lavelle Edwards Stadium, right? Yes. It's I, without a doubt the coolest backdrop the, of the any back, stadium in America. The backdrop is pretty unbelievable. The Sooners don't have a good history with BYU. They're 0-2. And then Sam Bradford's shoulder injury. Oh, that's right. What that, was it, so they played him twice. What was the other game? The What, what year was the other game? trying to think so i remember it was yeah season opener in 2009 they lost 14 to 13 to byu i'm trying to remember the other year somebody help us out of the text well, Steely, if you don't know this i don't think anybody's if gonna you can go this. ahead and google it up uh it may be in the old man foggy brain area but i know that the sooners are owing to the the game in arlington you know that's when i was doing pregame and postgame when i was doing more journalism but i remember on our postgame show uh, you know, that I we were at this bar in the uh, the area right over there by Jerry World, and I was trying to get back. I went to, you know, had a little break there for a second, was coming back to do, and this dude 
like pins me up against the there was a, a corridor he like pins me up against the corridor and Stevie you know what you need to do I mean Budweiser breath everywhere next time you see Kevin Wilson you tell him that I said he's a lying liar <laughs> that offensive line is horrible I was like Sir, I appreciate it. Man, I've got to get to the – he's like – he finally let me out, but he had, like, both arms pinned around me, Budweiser breath, and he wanted me to make sure that when I saw Kevin Wilson to tell him that he was a lying liar, like I was going to go up to Kevin Wilson and go, hey, Kevin, I met this guy in Arlington. He was very upset. He wanted me to let you know that you're a lying liar, you know. But because Kevin Wilson said in the lead-up to the season that this will be the best offensive line we've ever had. And Sam Bradford got his collarbone broken that night. So he was that guy was very upset. So anyway, that's that's a memory of the BYU matchup at Jerry World. Oh yeah, it was the Copper Bowl. That's right. It was the Copper Bowl. Terrence Brown at quarterback. Was it that's when Howard had his halftime sermon in the press box. Howard had his sermon in the press box, and it was Gary Gibbs last game. Thank you guys. Yes, how could I forget that? Okay. We'll be right back. Keep it right here. Home of Sooner fans, the ref. Back with you on the Home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Thursday is going along well and uh, good to have you with us. Air Comfort Solutions text line is uh, ablaze again. 405-651-3439. Mike Steele along with Parker Thune. We have Eric Bailey coming up on the Riverwind Hotline at 135. 405-651-3439 on the text line. Let's get back to the text line right now and see what you folks have to say. We've been talking about when the Sooners, where, where you would like to see the Sooners of the year, you would like to see the Sooners start in the SEC. A lot of people would like to see it happen next year. Uh, but would it be 24 or 25? By the way, from the 405, the bar was Humperdinks that Steely is talking about. Humperdinks. Yes, you are correct. Were you there? I don't think you were the guy, but were you there at Humperdinks? And this guy, you know, he didn't, like, cause me any harm or anything, but I was I was pinned against a wall for about, I don't know, it was probably 90 seconds. Emotional damage. He was very upset with the offensive line. I mean, very upset. Yeah, he'd fit right in with the pulse of the fan base today. They can't stand Bill Beedenbow for whatever reason. That was like a live bad Twitter guy that you encountered, a, a live, you know, angry tweeter that I ran into trying to get back uh, to our setup for the for the postgame show. All right, 405 again, 651-3439. Yeah, 94 Copper Bowl. I, that just totally slipped my mind. I could remember the, uh, the game in Arlington because that was, uh, man, that was – and the BYU fans, man, they had they they showed out at that game. They were there, and they were there in big numbers. So that was a crazy night. Do you do you like Jerry World? I like Jerry World. You as do? a venue. When the sun's setting, it's you know it, it shines in those windows mm-hmm. and it gets super bright, and there's kind of that glare, which is, yeah, it's got to be hard on photogs in that situation. Yeah, outside of that half hour window or so, I actually really like. Jerry World as a venue. It seems a little too cavernous for me. Cavernous? Mm -hmm. As it like large? Too big? Too big and too removed from the game. Maybe it was my experiences there. Uh, You know, watching OU-BYU. Also went there to see 
um, a South Lake Carroll Temple game. Uh, better seats than the press box because the press box was way up there, man. But it is way up. That there. was a uh, crazy night, though. That night, OU BYU game. I'm trying to think. Last time I sat in the press box at Jerry World, I think would have been the 2019 Big 12 championship game between OU and Baylor. By the way, uh, you were talking about your journalism days mm-hmm. at the end of last segment, and it made me recall that there was a, a, there, a couple weeks ago. There was another host in this market who made some derogatory comments about the OU radio crew, and that led the KREF Army to pull plenty of receipts. And one of the things that they dug up from years and years and years ago was a post-game show after the 2002 Big 12 championship game where said host was making some less-than-flattering comments about Nate Hibble. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate Hibble came over and grabbed the headset and was like, "What's he saying?" That was What's called the, the Houston Fiasco. It is available yes. on YouTube. And I saw you. I know you were there on the set. I was like, "Hold up, that is a twenty years younger Mike Steele." That was me. That was me. And I saw it all unfolding. I I saw the grenade go off. And uh, what my favorite part of that was at the time we had we were there. Uh, at uh, what is now Energy Stadium. I can't remember what, what it was in Houston at the time. Reliant Stadium. Reliant, but OU beat Colorado that night. And then we had a crew back at the Bricktown Brewery, which consisted of one of my favorite people in the world, Craig Humphreys. Uh, also, uh, Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb, and of course, the ultimate. So, Gottlieb, keep in mind, this post-game show is on Channel 5, okay? It's on KOCO-TV. Yep. And during this blow-up, I can't remember what Doug was talking about, but he said, quote, leave it to Channel 5 to get the story wrong. On Channel 5. Guess who was never back on Channel 5? <laughs> yeah, that's a faux I pas. Mean, that is one of the under... Uh, underrated parts of the Houston fiasco is when Gottlieb said, oh, pff, leave, it for, leave it to Channel 5 to get the story wrong on Channel 5. Oh, it's it was priceless because it's like a five-minute clip, but for a solid 45 seconds mm-hmm. to a minute, it's just Nate Hibble on one end saying, no, legit, I, I want to hear what they were saying. And then the camera will cut back to the studio. Yeah. And it's... The ultimate and Gottlieb just sitting there in stunned silence. What was crazy? Afraid, afraid to say a word. I remember that night dubbing that the Houston fiasco. I said, "Man, we just had the Houston fiasco." Sorry, people, that was really yeah crazy. But and then somebody put it on YouTube as the Houston fiasco. Uh-huh. So it's it's forever known got, as the Houston fiasco. Then you got Al in the middle of the set yeah. goading Bob Stoops <laughs> to come and put on a headset. Hey, Bob, they said uh, Nate didn't do anything today. What do you think? I remember Al telling us, uh, this is some inside radio. I love Al, by the way. On the walk back to the car, it was me, Al, and uh, Curtis Fitzpatrick. And Al said, okay, guys, we got to get a story straight here. And I'm like, we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. It was it was a crazy night. So anyway, by the way, the OU radio, radio crew is top-notch. So I, I, now I'm curious. What story did he want to get straight? I'm like, trying to remember what it was because we didn't do anything. I think he was trying to make sure that it was blamed on the people in the studio. 
and not us because, you know. And uh, remember Trent Smith walked over, too? Yeah. Uh, and it was all, it was just, you know, crazy. Absolutely crazy. Found it! <laughs> uh, so, yep. Uh, where can we find this? Cl- yep, yeah, yep, he found it on YouTube. Okay. It's on YouTube. Um, let's see what else we got on the text line. Camo Sooner, have you all seen that Steve Spurrier Jr. is the new OC at Tulsa? Yeah, yep. we were talking about that last hour with T.J. Eckert. Yeah, and I oh. saw uh, a little bit of his press conference. I thought it was really good. Really good, yes. Uh, go to YouTube, watch it later, keep listening, and just Google up Houston fiasco. Yes, uh, we had another listener said, please do tell how the host dealt with Nate calling him out. Well, he didn't. He just maintained silence. Hibble thought Al was talking smack and said Al had a face for radio. I missed that. <laughs> Did I miss that? Oh, no, I must have missed that, too. Oh, man, so good. Like I said, to me, the one is uh, – it just cracks me up. The, the whole thing is ridiculous, but Gottlieb on Channel 5 saying, leave it to Channel 5 to get the story wrong. And then Channel 5 – Remove Doug Gottlieb from the postgame. And I like Doug fine, but I just I remember thinking, that's not a good thing to say. All right. Oh, boy, we have a disgruntled listener from the 918. Maybe we, disgruntled isn't the right no, word, no. but this listener says, I listen to the show all day long because I drive a truck. You guys answer the same questions over and over, but won't answer mine. Please tell me why do we need 12 wide receivers? I mean, they're looking for depth, and who knows uh, what could happen after spring, right? Apparently, they don't feel like they have enough there. I, you know, they've got guys like Farouk and Stoops I think they, they know about, and they think guys like Gibson and Anderson have uh, potential. They love Petaway and Keon Brown, guys like that, but apparently they feel like they need a little more there to feel better about that spot. And here's what you need to understand. The reason why you accumulate a surplus of depth at wide receiver – is because in 2023, you will have exactly two wide receivers returning to the program that caught more than three passes this past year. Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops. That's it. That's the list. So yeah, there is a ton of exciting young talent. But you don't know, and we have our guesses, but we don't know which of these guys are going to pan out and which ones aren't. Like I've said, I'm bullish on Nick Anderson. There are a lot of people in that program who are bullish on Jaden Gibson. We still don't know what J.J. Hester brings to the table because he sat out the majority of the 2022 season with that ankle injury. But when you don't know who's going to boom and who's going to bust, it does you some good to accumulate as much depth as possible. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry we uh, we missed out on that. I apologize. Be careful out there driving that truck, but keep listening. All right. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Steelman and Thune, about 30 minutes left. We'll get locked in at the top of the hour. We will talk to a great Sooner reporter and a wonderful human being, the one and only Eric Bailey, coming up next. What are you smirking about, Steely? I just pulled up the Houston fiasco. Oh, okay. Some good comedy. All right. Eric Bailey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, does a great job for the Tulsa world. He's done it for a long time, and we're happy to have him on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Eric, thanks for your time today. Uh, what would you say is the number one storyline for you this offseason for Oklahoma? 
God, that's a great question, Mike. Uh, and thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, it's just maybe all the portal activity that Oklahoma's had. Uh, you know, Grant Venables at signing day said that he expected to have at least 10 uh, around when school started or, you know, and, and that's where they're at right now. They have 10 tw- transfer portal signees. Uh, they hit the portal hard, and I think they've gotten better by doing that, too. So I think that's the big thing. I think everyone understands they need to get better, and they, they attack that portal like with that, with that as their motive. Now, in terms of the names and the talent, the players that Oklahoma has already acquired via the portal, Eric, obviously Deshaun McCullough is kind of the capstone to this portal class for Oklahoma, the guy that you expect to be a plug-and-play starter and all-conference type of performer. But beyond that, who really stands out to you among that contingent as somebody that may exceed expectations in 2022 the way that a portal addition like a C.J. Colden, for example, did this past season? Well, let's just talk about C.J. first, man. C.J., you just didn't know what you were going to get because the young man came in a little late, and he really, you know, got started, didn't take uh, account in in spring drills, and then really took over and really hit his stride, and I was really impressed with that. So I think that's the key. You've seen it can be done. You've seen it can be done with this um, coaching staff, too. So I think that's the big thing. I think the big thing, too, is the defensive line. I mean, You've seen some of these guys on the defensive line that have come in that they really need to get better That I think that was understood coming in, that they needed to get better. And, you know, it started right away uh, with getting the um, famous case. I'm sorry, for Michigan, Jacob Lacey. You know, he, he signed even before school. You know, the scene's was still going on the bowl games, and we forget about him. It's been so long ago. But I think that was huge, getting Jacob Lacey, just to get started and understanding what this portal could mean. So, I think that was huge. Uh, but, I, Parker, I think it just goes back to the defensive line. I think they really need to bulk up there. They they lost a lot of players. Uh, I, I think that's key. And then look at wide receiver, too. I, I You know, you lose four players in wide receivers, you need to really fill some spots. So uh, defensive line and wide receivers, those are probably two of the big things that I was really trying to keep an eye on. We've got Eric Bailey on with us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Uh, Eric, we are waiting, of course, to schedule release from the Big 12. I, I was here in, like, February. What are you hearing on that, and wh- where do you think Oklahoma will end up road tripping? Will it be, like, to Provo in Cincinnati? Would it be somewhere else? What do you? What's your uh, expectation there? You know, it's funny because I, I, you know, I was like you. I heard – you know, early December, then I heard mid-December, then I heard 1st of February, then I've heard two weeks from now. I have no clue. <laughs> I just know we're probably close. It sounds like from what the commissioner said at the, the championship game that it's close. Uh, as far as going somewhere, that, 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 that's, I'm curious. I'm, I'm just curious if they're going to send Oklahoma and Texas places that they know it might be the only time they get them. Like, you know, do they go to a Cincinnati? Do they go to a BYU? Or a UCF. I, I really think – I just wonder if maybe if you're the Big 12, you make sure that those two schools go to two newcomers just so they can see those schools come to town. So that's my guess. I, I, I bet you OU and Texas go to those four new schools two times each somewhere down the road. Now, Eric, it's been a few days now, but thoughts on Marvin Mims' draft declaration and, in your mind, who does that put the onus on to step up and contribute out of the receiver room for Oklahoma next season? You know, Marvin Mims, he's a really special talent. You look, you know, lost in all his abilities, how many 40-yard catches he had. He had 20, I think, 20 40-yard catches. I mean, he was a game-breaker. And, you know, and I'll never forget the catch he made against Texas. 
the Caleb Williams throw on third down that he made against the end zone. I mean, he's a special, special talent. I think with Marvin, it's just an opportunity to play in the league. I don't know where he'll be drafted, but you know, we've seen the the, the we've seen some players. You know, you, you know, I don't want to compare him to CD Lamb, but we see some of these guys that leave Oklahoma after three years and they're ready to go to the league. I really think Marvin's prepared. Uh, as far as uh, you know, it's going to be really curious. Your guess is as good as mine, Parker. On who is going to be that guy that steps up, and, and more importantly, are these these young guys going to step up and and have more roles like Anderson or Gibson? Are they going to come in and, and know that they need to produce more as new as young players? I think that's the key. And you know, Jaleel Farouk's of course is going to be the guy to watch, but you ha- you do have some some mainstays like Drake Stoops. And also, you know, even Gavin Freeman. I mean, how are they going to use him in the future? They used him a lot this year. So um, uh, uh, considering all the returners, those are some of the guys that I'm thinking of. Interesting. We have a question on uh, the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Did Brent Venables and Kevin Wilson uh, coach together? And the answer is yes. Uh, When they were at Oklahoma for a while, before Brent left, obviously, for Clemson. And uh, Kevin, uh, did he leave, I think, for Indiana, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, 2010. Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about, um, you know, Oklahoma and Tulsa will have a game uh, next September. It's the third game on the schedule for Oklahoma and the non-con. What are your impressions of Kevin Wilson and the staff he's putting together there at Tulsa? They introduced Steve Spurrier Jr. the other day. What's your take on how that's going down? Yeah, it's funny. I forgot all about that until recently. Yeah, OU's going to play in Tulsa next season. It, it, it'll be ga- a game in Tulsa. That'll be interesting to see. And real quick on the schedule, though, Steely, what about OU dodging Georgia on September the 9th? That looks like uh, a good thing for Oklahoma right now, right? <laughs> Not that – if you're Oklahoma, you never shy away from an opponent. You want to play the best of the best. I get that. But, man, Georgia's just on a different level right now, so – um, but going back to Kevin Wilson, you know, with Tulsa, I, I just hope that he has the resources where he's able to compete. Uh, I, I, I'm just curious what the, the, the financial situation in terms of putting together a coaching pool is. Do they have the resources to get, uh, get people that can recruit to Tulsa? It's, it's a tough job. It really is. And, and, and Tulsa, they're coming off some tough years, too. So I'm curious what's going to happen. I know Kevin Wilson, he's excited about this. So everything we see is He's pumped up for the opportunity to be a head coach. I know Steve Spurrier, you know, got the phone call, you know, would you like to be an OC? And next day he took the job. He was on his way to Tulsa. So there's going to be some enthusiasm. There's going to be some passion. I really think for that program to have success, though, they're going to have to hire someone with ties to the Tulsa area that can recruit those two- and three-star players uh, that, you know, get overlooked and, and bring them to TU. Circling back around to that portal discussion we were having a few moments ago, Eric, obviously Brent Venables and this Oklahoma staff have done some good things when it comes to shoring up their areas of weakness across the board. It remains to be seen how they're going to address the loss of David Aguebu to the transfer portal. But as things stand right now, knowing what we know about the 10 guys that Oklahoma has brought in to fill some of those voids that opened up due to portal losses and draft declarations, etc., Looking ahead to 2023, is there a position group right now across the board for Oklahoma that you perceive as the Achilles heel? Is there one position group that you feel like still needs some work in terms of depth or in terms of breadth of talent? Maybe the offensive line, not because of talent, but just because of depth. They don't have a lot of experience on offensive line. Uh, they need the tackle position. They, they really missed out on the kid that went to Nebraska because he would have brought it from Stanford. 
he would have brought experience to that offensive line, to that tackle position especially. Even if it's just a one-year guy, you allow those younger guys to get more reps. So I just think that offensive line, with the inexperience that they have, it, it could take a little bit of time. Uh, but that being said, you look at how successful they were in the bowl game with four uh, really guys that hadn't started all season playing against Florida State in one of the biggest games of the year and having the success that they did. So I think it's not as much talent as inexperience and maybe overall depth that you just want to see if Bill Beatonville can grow that on the offensive line. Eric, we appreciate your time. You're always very gracious with it, and uh, we love uh, having you on. And let's do it again soon. Thank you. All right, guys. You guys have a good week. Parker, thanks so much, man. Eric Bailey, reporter. Oops. Wrong button there. Tulsa World. Great job. I think, did you think they'd finally cut me off? For I, I thought either they yeah. cut you off or I was having a stroke. Or, or I was about to say Jackson Arnold something. And <laughs> caught yourself <laughs> it's very it's abruptly. A very, it's a very touchy button over here now. Very touchy. All right. Uh, Eric's a really good guy. Did you see the video that was circulating on Twitter? Of, uh, God, I think it's about 10 years old, but it was Eric, Eddie Radosevich, John Hoover, and uh, Jason Kersey were doing a promo for a Sunday night sports show in Tulsa. Pretty good, looking back. They, like, passed the microphone and did some, like, tease for this deal. Good stuff. It's out there. It's worth watching. It's not the Houston fiasco, which is totally – Well, a, what is? I mean, that's the magnum opus of postgame shows right there. Uh, you, you definitely have to see that at least once in your lifetime. To hear, again, Doug Gottlieb say, leave it to Channel 5 to get the story wrong – on Channel 5, which I don't recommend that you are on a certain station and criticize that station and say that they're wrong. You probably will not be getting another paycheck. So, anyway, moments in Oklahoma radio and TV history right here. Did I talk to Ricky Dixon? Yes, I did. Yes, back when I said, when you were a journalist, did you talk to Ricky Dixon? Yes. Ricky was a cool guy. And I loved him. Be right back. Back with one more segment. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Steelman and Thune winding it up here, getting you ready to get locked in at the top of the hour. Thanks again to our friends at Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Get out there and uh, play with your wild card today. Last day to get out there and play on the showdown in the desert gaming machines. There's signage all around them. There's stickers on those machines. What is the showdown in the desert? Well, if you've been out to Riverwind, you probably know. And if you've been playing, you need to go close it out because they are giving away five trips to the Super Bowl to patrons who obviously place in the top five on these specific gaming machines. So if you've been doing that, get out there and play again today. Try and ensure that you're going to get one of the five trips because they're sending five patrons to the Super Bowl with game tickets, airfare, their hotel accommodations, ground transportation, tickets to the game, obviously. And you also will go there with $1,000 in cash, courtesy of our friends at Riverwind Casino. They always have the best promotions, over 2,800 electronic games. The Showplace Theater has gaming uh, right now in there. There are like 300 gaming machines in there. It's a non-smoking area. Area. They have it in the uh, uh, the River Lounge now and the Sky Bridge because they are doing some remodeling right now, but they're getting close to the finish line, and it won't be too long before the Showplace Theater is going to be hosting some great shows again. Earth, Wind, and Fire. 
be waiting. That'll be, if not the first show out, one of the first shows out. And it won't be too long before the renovations are complete. And the areas of the casino they have renovated look absolutely uh, spectacular. Riverwind Casino. Love the people over at Riverwind. They really are simply the best. All right. You want to get some texts in before we get out of here? Let's go right ahead. Back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line we go. Uh, <laughs> this question comes from 405 Vent Brennables. All right. Is it feasible to switch a couple of our big offensive linemen over to interior defensive line? We need some 320-pound bigger beasts in there, even if all they do is plug up the middle. Don't see OU ever coughing up a big enough furball to land a big-gun five-star defensive lineman like Hicks or David Stone. Thoughts? Well, you do think this, they're going to like David? I do think they're going to land David Stone because then we we will have this conversation a lot. My guess That's, is if they thought somebody they had somebody that could do that, they probably would have tried it. Yeah, at this point, Bray Walker would have seen a few reps on defense by now if they thought that was a viable possibility because he was never going to play on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I, look, you need to have athletes on the interior defensive line. Not just big bodies, but athletes. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, it's cool in theory to speculate about a guy like Bray Walker maybe playing a zero tech at Oklahoma, but in all actuality, that just wouldn't work. The technique that is required to play offensive line and to play defensive line, th- those techniques are quite different. And it's something that if you're not doing it every day in practice – it's not that easy to make the transition unless you're talking about a guy like Marcus Hicks who started out as a defensive lineman, had a background on both sides of the ball, but could make that transition a little bit easier because he had done both in the past to a very advanced degree. Right. All right, let's get just a couple more. Uh, <laughs> my favorite part of the Houston fiasco was Steely randomly throwing the other team's QB under the bus trying to save face. I was trying to be the peacemaker, man. I was extending the olive branch, and they snapped the olive branch in half that night. I'm trying to remember, was that Craig Oaks would have been the Colorado quarterback that night? Is really? that right? Was that, or, was that pre-Joel Klatt? I think it was the year before Joel Klatt. I think Joel Klatt came in the next year. Maybe it was Bobby Pesavento. But I think it might have been Craig, uh, Craig Oaks, or maybe they played a combination of those guys. I can't remember. I'd have to go ahead and Google up the box score. But uh, back to the you know, the, I remember that Colorado had a running back that was named Brandon Drum that didn't play a whole lot, but they did have a running back. That's true, Brandon Drum. Um, Mike in Springfield asks, and this is going to challenge the archives of your memory. Steely, who was the John Blake assistant coach in '97 or '98 who wanted to have a fist fight with a caller on Al's postgame show? I'll tell you, all right, so that was uh, Joe Dickinson, who uh, was a really good guy and was caught up in a bad situation at OU, but uh, they weren't performing very well, and it was actually, it was Myron Patton hosting the postgame show after they went off, and it was at, I remember it was at the Village Trattoria over in Brookhaven, and a caller called in and he said, I got uh, three questions for Coach Joe Dickinson, all right? Number one, what the hell kind of offense we run out there? Number two, how how much are they paying you to do this sorry of a job? And number three, where are you going to be coaching next year? And Joe D, what I liked was Joe D kind of had a voice like this. And he was saying, <laughs> hey, buddy, why don't, you get your, why don't you get your butt out here? If you think you can coach offense, why don't you get your butt down here and try? 
come on out here and say that to my face, you know, and it was, I about ran off the road. I was, first of all, I was thinking, I can't believe that dude, you know, was clearly a troll. The trolls were alive back then as well. But uh, Joe Dickinson, good guy. That was a rough time for Oklahoma football. He was a really good, like at Northern Illinois, really good OC. It was just a bad, uh, bad situation. They didn't have the athletes, as many athletes, you know. And But uh, Joe was still like, uh, you know, doing quarterback camps and stuff like that. So, But I can clearly remember that. Yeah, that was Coach Joe Dickinson. Okay, out of time. We've got Locked In coming up next. want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley. Get over and play with your wild card in the showdown in the desert promotion at Riverwind. Try and one of those five, win one of those five trips to the Super Bowl. You only have today, and that's it, to get qualified. We'll see you.